You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's talk about the markets and other matters with Joanne Bainham, who is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. My theme of the week, I tend to go for themes. My theme of this week is the CRB index. Are you familiar with this index? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, at the moment, it is trading at um, the index level is not trading at, but the index level is two hundred and fifteen point zero eight oh one. Now, thirteen months ago, it was one hundred and twelve. So, you know, let, let's let, let's not be petty about this. It's almost doubled, and it's the most extraordinary story. Is this because of a supply constraint or demand, excessive demand coming out of the pandemic uh, from people that need commodities and need to restock? And if so, if it's a combination of the two, this obviously has in, is incredibly impactful when it comes to fund management and, and managing resources, you know, your, your financial resources, because commodities suddenly are to the fore. Great for South Africa. Well, absolutely. It's great for South Africa. We can see that in our trade surplus. And that's been one of the key reasons why the RAND has actually been so strong this year, despite a lot of bad news in this country, because our trades, terms of trade has improved so massively, back to your CRB index concept. And the world needs resources right now because it's rebuilding. It's, you know, we've had a, a growth hiccup in 2020. We're now seeing the recovery in 2021. We're seeing massive latent demand of people want to go out and spend money. But the question you should be asking is, is the CRB index going to keep rising every year for the next couple of years? Or is this just a base effect coming through because we went from a very low level to a much higher one? And I think that's where the jury's still out. I think when it comes to things like electric vehicles or ESG type concepts, I think a lot of those kind of resources will do, continue to do very well. When it comes to things like steel, though, that's a little bit different, iron ore, because if China starts to turn down again, and if you look at the credit impulse coming out of China, they do seem to be wanting to reduce the growth in that economy. Does that continue to rise? I mean, it very much depends which resource you're buying, and they're not all the same. So, so the palladium, platinum basket can do very well, but it depends entirely where you're buying. I mean, gold hasn't been great. I mean, I know gold's precious metal, but it's also a resource. hasn't been great either. So it very much depends on, on the long-term view of where you're going with this. I, I still think the jury's out on the inflation story for 2022-2023. But, you know, what is interesting at the moment, outside the resource complex, a number of CEOs in the U.S. are complaining that they can't find labor and they can't find people to fill jobs. And as I said to you, I think a few times in this program, the transitory inflation number becomes more permanent if we start seeing wage inflation. It's so very right interesting now, you say that just before the theme that you just uh, introduced is very, very important because I was watching a program from an American TV channel yesterday. And they were talking about, you know, it's it's now driving season in the U.S. People are going to start to go on holiday, etc. Et and the the price of gasoline, in other words, petrol, has gone to three dollars a gallon, and that's about a sixty percent increase over the year. But they say it's going to get um, even worse, and not to do with price, but but to do with supply, because they can't find tanker drivers. Because uh, driving a tanker is not like driving a car. You have to be very skilled and you have to be very well trained in order to have the responsibility of having all this highly flammable stuff behind your rig. And they can't find anybody. So there may not be enough <laughs> enough supplies, never mind the price, not enough supplies for people to buy the stuff. So I think the labor market in the United States is about to become very, very interesting, uh, particularly from an economist's point of view. No, I agree with you. And I think that's where this inflation debate goes from being transitory, which the Fed keeps arguing it is, to more permanent in nature. 
if we start seeing wage inflation picking up. A, a fascinating a thing I listened to the other day with Biden, I thought was absolutely amazing. He said, the unions built the middle classes in America. Yes. And he went on to say, trickle-down economies, trickle-down markets don't work. In other words, it's time to tax the rich. We need to start increasing wages for the poor. He uh, says... That's a massive socialist change in agenda in American politics. And it's, it's, a, it's an almost a palatable socialism as well. I mean, I'm not a socialist. I'm not anything, actually. I don't know what I am. But the point is, what he said was trickle-down doesn't work. He said it's got to come from the bottom up and also spread out from the middle. And I thought that was actually rather a prophetic comment. Look, I think a lot of people agree with him. I mean, everybody thinks that he should do that because we've got a world at the moment which just, just doesn't make sense. I mean, talking about a world that doesn't make sense, I mean, the big breaking news story today, for want of a better word, is the fact that Bill and Melinda Gates are getting divorced after 27 years together. That's a shame. And the reason I bring that up, though, is back to this whole income inequality argument. Their net wealth, according to Rabobank, if you combine their net wealth, it is greater than the GDP of 153 of the world economies. Now, that's completely and utterly insane, okay? It's just utterly ridiculous. So if you think about that, I agree with you. You, you need something to change in the world economy because you cannot have a situation where a small number of people have so much money and so many people are, are poor. It's not working. But sadly, though, socialism doesn't work either. We know it doesn't work. But the reality is capitalism at the moment, as we look at it, isn't working either. I think that when you consider tax cuts for this, the super wealthy, which, um, sorry, tax increases for the super wealthy, which I applaud, because there's no way that uh, Bill and Melinda Gates need their 110, 120 billion. They don't need all that money. And sure, they've done some philanthropic work and uh, they've raised the rich people's consciousness when it comes to people that are poorer than themselves. But I would, if I was Joe Biden, if I was in the luxurious position of being able to sit down and actually change policy or direct policy, I would say, okay, uh, Bezos, Gates, and all the rest of you, uh, Musk, come in and sit down with me. I'm going to tax you, but I don't want to tax you in this way. I want you to fund this particular project. You don't have to, it's not going to be a tax thing. You're going to take 10 billion of your uh, respective monies and actually fund this bridge building thing. And it's, an, it's not a tax, but it's a, it's a philanthropic stroke tax venture and that would be a creative way that's what i would do that's well, a, perhaps you should speak to biden Lindsay, because I, I like the idea have you got it's, his number it's a tune to <laughs> it's a tune to leaving a legacy behind yes you know we're, we're all going to die so maybe it'd be quite nice one day to know that you've you've helped the planet somehow and you've left a bridge behind or you've left a you know you created something bigger than yourself so maybe instead of just paying taxes which go into a big black hole and no one knows where they go to precisely that's actually, what i'm saying if, you don't know where your tax money is going well, I don't think people trust governments anymore, and that's why they're very loath to just kind of keep paying higher and higher taxes. But if they know it's going to a dedicated project that they're involved in, you might get a lot more buy-in. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a fantastic idea, and I think I'm going to probably get the Nobel <laughs> Tax Peace Prize <laughs> in the next couple of years because of that very innovative statement. Uh, otherwise, well, uh, Lindsay, do you want yes. to give some great ideas to South Africa at the moment? Because I don't know if you're watching what's going on here, but... You know, I just saw some horrible stats again this morning. I mean, I don't know if it's completely true, but bank lending in SA has contracted for the first time since 2010. Uh, and this is an economy where people are supposedly all bullish about the stock market and bullish about property, and yet bank lending is contracting. 
I don't know what that's about. And the other thing that also caught my eye is that we've only vaccinated 0.15% of our population or something ridiculous like that. Mm. We, we've vaccinated less people than Venezuela. We've vaccinated less people than Guatemala. I mean, what is this government doing? Mm. So we've got a, a, a bank system that's not lending money and we've got no one vaccinated. And the reality is, if you look what's happening in India at the moment, it's absolutely horrific. And if we don't do something soon, we might have a third wave here in South Africa that was avoidable if, if we did something about it. And you're so, going yes, into winter as well, which stories. is yeah, you're going into winter as well, which is a very dangerous time. We're coming out of winter in northern Europe here, and things are probably at their peak, I would say. Uh, the, the Dutch government, where I live in the Netherlands, as you know, uh, the Dutch government has just sort of uh, said no, no more relaxing of lockdown because of um, you know, a surge in, in, in cases because of this very, very cold April that we've had. But on the other hand, I think in South Africa, when it gets very cold, I think you've got some problems coming up. Look, yes and no. I mean, the one school of thought is that we're much closer to herd immunity than people think. Uh, and remember, we had a second wave in our summer when we weren't supposed to have it. But, but I guess my point is, whether we have a third wave or not, it could have been avoidable if we got vaccines out. And I think it's absolutely criminal at the moment in South Africa that we're not getting these vaccines out. Why aren't we vaccinating people? If these things work, why aren't we doing it? Why It should be a, a national emergency. And we dilly-dallying. When, when, I mean, if a country like Venezuela has vaccinated more people in South Africa... It's utterly and completely ridiculous. Yes, it is. I mean, Venezuela is a basket case and we're not. Well, South Africa well, isn't. Um, yes. Well, not in the same quality as Venezuela anyway. Let's talk about the markets now. We've spoken about the CRB index. We've spoken about nothing else when, about markets-wise. But uh, I see the S&P... Futures now 4,162. It was 4,200 and something at one stage this, this week. So it's, it's sort of what happens is it goes up, it threatens to, to, to break out to the top, and it does do, but then it comes back and everyone says, oh, well, it's all over now. And then it goes up again. It's, it's still a buy the dips market, isn't it? Yes and no. I think what worries me in markets today is some of these uh, small cap tech stocks that are horrifically overpriced. And I think that. It's a warning sign that this market is not exactly healthy. But on the positive side, and I'm sure you've spoken to lots of people about that this week, some of these earnings out of these FANG stocks have been simply unbelievable. I, know. I mean, I saw some numbers out of, I think it was um, um, Google. Mm. I mean, how's this for some stats? You probably have quoted it already, but I thought it was just mind boggling. They make $200 million of profits a day, a day. They make $600 million in revenue a day. Every employee at Google contributes $130,000 of revenue. I'm in, I'm in profit center. It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling numbers. And then you have Amazon coming out with, you know, cumulatively since the pandemic, their net income is up to $26 billion. That's three times it was the last, sorry, that was greater than the last three years' earnings altogether. So, yes, markets seem frothy and you say buy the dip, but, but these FANG stocks are delivering. I mean, Facebook, here's another stat for you. I like these stats today. Facebook has got 3.45 billion users. I mean, imagine having a marketplace that big. It's just, it, it defines all logics. You can see why people are buying these companies because their earnings are delivering. They're definitely delivering. And I still think, you know, if you're going to look at the next day, 12 months, you probably want to buy the, the value stock still because as growth picks up globally, you were talking about the commodity index. It's giving us a very good indicator that people are feeling more optimistic. 
But in the long run, you want to be back in these companies because these earnings are just amazing. Absolutely incredible. 3.45 billion users. I'm very proud to say that I'm not one of those. And the day that I phone you up, Joanne, and say I've just opened a Facebook account, that is when you get out of the fang stocks. Okay, do you promise? <laughs> well, tell you what, moving on from people who are not in things, Ethereum has gone to an all-time high this morning. Well, it went to 3,000 uh, and something, didn't it? Yeah, I think it's $3,050 or $3,150, new all-time high for Ethereum. Mm. Uh, Bitcoin's lagging a bit at the moment. But interesting enough, in grayscale, where you can dra trade this ETF of these stocks, I don't know whether it's an ETF or not, or whatever they'd call it. You mean cryptocurrencies? Trades, mm. Cryptocurrency, that's right. It does a billion dollars in revenue in these things. Mm. It, it does a higher revenue trading at the moment than Vanguard's 87 ETFs combined. So, you know, where's the market looking at the moment? They're buying cryptos because it's unbelievable how much money is going into these things and how quickly they're moving up. You might have noticed Charlie Munger this weekend at the yes. at Warren talking about how abomination it was. But but markets don't seem to care. The people who are buying it keep pushing it higher. Yeah, they don't listen to octogenarians anymore like Charlie Munger and um – What's his name, Warren Buffett? Well, tell me something. Yes. What is it when you're 90? Are you still an octogenarian? No, you're an octogenarian when you're in your 80s. Uh, uh, you're a, a nonogenarian, I think, when you're, when you're in your 90s. And you're well, about to become 90s. 50, uh, Joanne, so you're going to be... Uh... <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. He's 97 <laughs> or something, isn't he, Charlie Munger? And uh, Buffett's uh, 90, I think, I is the numbers know. I saw. I, I mean, I didn't even know there was a term for people in that age group, but it's, it's pretty impressive that he can talk for hours and still talk about markets. Yeah. But he was, very, he was very rude about crypto, and yet the people buying it, as I say, keep pushing it higher. Let's see where this goes. But there's an enormous amount of speculative money out there in markets at the moment. Yes, there are. There is. Uh, Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.